0: Today we're going to look at a book of the Bible that I don't often preach out of. I don't know why, but I uh, don't turn there very often. We're going to be in the book of 1 Peter, near the end of the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 8 in just a moment. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And where we pick up today, Peter is finishing up his letter to uh, his reader. And what happens a lot of times as you read these uh, epistles that that the uh, apostles wrote, is many times they will... Uh, they'll be given all this all this instruction, all this information, and then right at the end, it's like, bam, 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 bam. They have all this information, all this instruction, almost in bullet form. And that's that's where we pick up today. Peter is in the midst of uh, closing out his letter, and he, he gives us a very short and very straightforward passage. But at the same time, even though it's really short and very straightforward, it's important for us to know because each of us is assaulted by the devil in, in uh, many different ways really all the time. There are all kinds of trials, all kinds of temptation, different schemes that he uses. And even though uh, we don't have to give in and sin, many times we end up doing that anyway. And so what I want us to do today is uh, look at what Peter says in, in 1 Peter 5 and see what it has to tell us about conquering the devil because we can in fact have victory over Satan. So if you found First Peter chapter 5, I know you just got to sit down, but uh, go ahead and stand with me if you would in honor of God's word. And we'll read just a few verses out of 1 Peter 5. He says, be, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, and as it strengthen and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, the first thing I want you to see that we need to do in having victory over the devil of conquering, of conquering Satan is remain on the alert. We need to remain on the alert. Now, now Peter gives us three different things, uh, three di- different directions. Two of those are in verse 8. He says, Be of sober spirit and be vigilant. Now, what do those two things mean? Well, Uh, They're related terms, and and that word, uh, when he says, Be be of sober spirit, that word translated sober literally means don't be intoxicated by wine. Now, uh, sobriety in general is a wise thing to do, but he goes beyond talking about simply not being drunk with alcohol. Uh, Different translations render this a little bit differently, and I think as you compare those uh, different translations, they give us a pretty good picture of what he's saying. My Bible renders it, Be of sober spirit, Uh, One translation says be self-controlled. Another one says be serious. In other words, uh, we need to keep our heads about us. This isn't saying that we have to go around looking like we're uh, going to a funeral all the time and and looking very morose, but what it's saying is keep your heads about you. And then uh, uh, that closely related term that he says, uh, the uh, the very next phrase, he says be on the alert, or your Bible may say be vigilant. And that means be watchful. And I think a good idea of this is, uh, a good picture of it, is think about the military. Think about, think about soldiers that are stationed out in enemy territory. They have some kind of military installation, and some guard pulls guard duty some night. Well, he better be watchful. He better be keeping his eyes open for the enemy. And that's the picture that, that Peter is using here. Christians need to keep our heads up, our eyes open, and be on our guard. Why? Well, look at, look at what else he says in verse 8. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. In other words, we have an enemy that's out to destroy us. That's what that word devour means. It means literally to swallow up. If you're a Christian, I can tell you the devil would like nothing better than to catch you unaware, to catch you not paying attention, to catch you uh, just kind of lollygagging out through life, and then intimidate you, tempt you, Try you to try get you to ruin your testimony. You you can, I mean, you can be living great for twenty years, and then, you know, in twenty minutes, ruin that testimony. Guess what? People are going to remember. They're going to remember that twenty minutes more than the twenty years. Oftentimes, he wants to destroy your testimony, and we know if if you've been a Christian for some time, you know that when the devil attacks, it's like an assault. It's just this barrage of constant, uh, sometimes it's a a subtle temptation, sometimes it's it's a lot of pressure, but it feels like you're being devoured. And Peter says you need to pay attention because you have a real enemy. Now I want you to understand how what he says in these verses relates to what he said in verse 7. We didn't actually read verse 7, but I want you to look back there now. He says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And that's a great verse. It's one that we oftentimes think of, especially when we're going through trials, uh, when when we're consumed by worry. We we, we remind ourselves we should cast our cares, our anxieties on God because he cares for us. So how does that idea coincide with this idea of being sober and, and vigilant? Well, I think this is how the two ideas relate. We all face trouble. We all face trials. In fact, Jesus said in John's Gospel, in this world, You'll have tribulation. But the hazard that we face is when something comes up and we get, uh, and it it kind of rocks our boat a little bit. The hazard that we face is that we begin to worry and stew and sweat and and we lose sleep at night and we get grouchy and, and that's all that we think about. We're worried that God won't come through. And when we're all focused on our troubles, that's when we forget to watch out for the devil. See, Peter says, cast your cares on the Lord, but at the same time, watch out for the devil. Because what happens, see, your care should not, you you shouldn't be worried about God's goodness, because God is good. You shouldn't be worried that God can, can take care of things, because He can, and He does take care of His own. But rather, our care should be that we're on guard for the devil, one very old commentator said it this way. He said, Let this be your care. God provides, therefore do not be anxious. The devil seeks, therefore watch. Now I want you to notice in, in verse eight the description that Peter gives about our enemy. He calls him a prowling, roaring lion. Now obviously we don't have a lot we don't have a lot of lions running out wild here in southwest Missouri. Uh, they were they were much more familiar familiar uh, with lions over there than we are here. But does anybody ever watch nature shows? I haven't watched any for a long time. But you know, like the Serengeti, and, and you watch the the antelope and the gazelles and all those the, the zebra, and they're out there drinking water and going about their business. And then there's this lion, and there's always the guy doing the dramatic voiceover. And that lion, he, he's he's sneaking up. He's trying to he's trying to get one of those animals for lunch well one of the things that that i've seen in in those episodes and probably you have too is the lion doesn't usually go for the biggest baddest whatever it is right a wildebeest or whatever he's not going for the one that's all muscular and and you know looking like he's done some mma training i mean he's he's going for the one that's straggling that's sick that's separated from the group he's not looking too good and, and if he can't find one of those, many times he'll sneak up on them and he'll separate that one off from the group. Have you ever seen that happen? And, and they'll all be running trying to get away and then there's the one who, who can't keep up. <laughs> and he's, he's running along trying to keep up and that, that line will begin to cut him off. He'll begin to herd him away. And that's what happens many times to us as, as Christians as we're going through bad times. The devil will sneak up on us Maybe we're struggling, maybe whatever it is. But he'll begin to, to work us off by ourselves. He'll begin to isolate us. And let me tell you when, you, when you find yourself being isolated, you better pay attention because that's a dangerous place to be spiritually. And, and, and that's why it's so dangerous spiritually. You know, sometimes we go through bad times we think, you know what, I just don't feel like going to church today. I think I'm going to sleep in today. You know what? I don't feel like doing this Bible study. I'm just going to skip it. You know, I'm, I'll just catch it the next time it comes around. You know, I don't feel like going and, and being around a bunch of about or just around people, period. But especially around Christians who will smile. Sometimes you don't feel like even seeing people smile, you know. I don't feel like being around people, but especially people who are going to say, hey man, what's wrong? You don't look like you're like things are going too well. Tell tell me what's going on. I don't want to talk about it. And in those times, we better beware because that's when the that's one of those things that the devil does. It's that's a tactic of the enemy. He's always looking for a way to hinder your walk with God in some way. So so how do you be on guard? How how do you stay alert in regards to the devil? Well, the first thing that we need to do is we need to pay attention. And I'm not just talking about when we realize, hey, I'm I'm kind of. Uh, I'm, I'm skipping church I'm not reading my Bible I'm not praying I'm, I'm, that's part of it but I've noticed in my own life and maybe you've noticed this too as I look back over my life if I take kind of a broad view of things I've noticed that when I do certain when I, when I fall into certain sins when I commit those certain sins many times there are similar circumstances surrounding that and maybe you've, maybe you've never thought about this but I would challenge you to do it think back over whatever sin it is and you'll probably notice you know what Almost every time that I've done that, I've been around these certain people. Almost every time that I've gotten into this sin, uh, i visited that website. i would watched that type of movie. I'd, I'd i I'd skipped church. I was hanging with the wrong people. I was in a certain frame of mind, and that's when I got into this sin. And I think that's one of those things we need to pay attention before, for because whenever we see ourselves getting into those similar situations, we need to say, you know what? This is an area of weakness for me. We need to be aware of that stuff. So pay attention. Uh, to go along with that, we need to make sure we're not caught unawares. Anybody else's life busy? Mine is, man, I don't even, especially now that we have John, whew, I mean, I am sleep-deprived, and, I mean, and life is just, there are meetings and all these different things, plus family, plus work, plus church, and all these different things, and it's like that for everybody. You know, we have kids and grandkids. They have all these different things we got to go to and, and got to get them to this practice, got to go to that performance. Uh, the graduation time is all, it's, it's just nuts altogether. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in life, they'll just walks up to us and we don't even detect him. We don't even pay attention. And again, I, I mentioned it a few times, but I'll just say it again. If you find yourself missing church, uh, that should be a red flag because we're more susceptible to those temptations. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, great book, kind of depressing sometimes, but a great book, it, it says this, and I think it's chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for, the, for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. So we need to remain on the alert. The second thing he says in uh, verse 9 is we need to resist the devil. Resist the devil. Now, when you hear that phrase, resist the devil, you probably think of the book of James where it says resist the devil and he'll do what? He'll flee from you. But he says resist the devil firm in your faith. What does it mean to resist the devil? Well, I've heard a lot of people say a lot of things about the devil and to the devil, but I don't think I don't think this is talking about some special incantation. I think what he's saying is... Uh, The word resist means to withstand or to be opposed to. So if you're standing against the devil when he tempts you, it means you don't go along with it. You don't yield in to him uh, in any fashion. You know, Flip Wilson, what did he say? The devil made me do it. He had a whole skit about, you know, this, this lady bought a dress, the devil made her do it, all this. No, the devil doesn't make us do anything. He may tempt us. He may try us. He may try to persuade us. He may make something look appealing. He may pressure us, intimidate us, captivate us, charm us, all these different things. But in the end, we sin because we choose to. So when we resist the devil, we're choosing not to do what the devil wants us to do. And notice how he says that we're to do it verse 9. Firm in your faith. Not firm in your trusting or, or, or trusting in your own strength to withstand, but trusting in God's mighty right hand, so to speak. That will strengthen us and empower us. Now look at what else he says in verse 9. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. We need to realize that what we're going through is not unique to us. Peter says Christians all over the the world are, are facing the same thing. This is similar to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10. He said, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Now those of us who have been Christians for a while, we know what it's like when the devil tempts us. And we know that it feels, well, it's really lonely, isn't it? Suffering is a very lonely thing. And, And we feel like we're the only ones going through it. When you're going through a time of trial and temptation, you might feel like God has forsaken you, like He's turned your back on you, His back on you, like like you're the only one left. And, and I think all of us can identify with Elijah in, in the Old Testament. You remember he ended up in a cave, running from Jezebel. And when he's in that cave, he said, "God," and I'm paraphrasing, he said, "God, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one that hasn't bowed the knee to Baal." And why God say, "Not so." There are a lot of guys. I I have people all over the place that haven't bowed their knee to bail. You just don't know about them. And just like just like him, we sometimes feel like we're all alone in it. Like like what we're going through is unique to us. And Peter says, "No, you, there there are people scattered all throughout this earth that are going through the same thing you are." God's not forgotten you. He's not turned his back on you. He's not left you. It's a season of testing. Just like the season of winter, one of these days it will be gone. And it will be spring. Hallelujah. <laughs> but God hasn't forgotten you, so remain on the alert. Resist the devil. And the last thing I want you to see is that we should rejoice in the Lord. Now, this is not something Peter expressly tells us to do, but what he says should bring out some kind of a, a response of praise or thanksgiving. And he, he gives us three reasons to rejoice, I think, in verses 10 and 11 the first if you look at, at verse 10 he says after you have suffered for a little while that's the first thing our suffering is only for a time and that's 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 reassuring i think our suffering is only for a time now the way the wording is here it could either mean that it is a light affliction that we're going through or it could mean that it is only for a short duration But let's face it, when we're going through those things, neither of those things seem to be the case, do they? It doesn't seem like it's ever going to end, and it definitely is not an easy thing, a light thing. But when we expand our view to include eternity, this is definitely true. Our whole life, and the longer I live, the the more I realize life is pretty short. Even if you live to be an old, old person, I'm talking like 45 or something. No, I know. Um, but really, I mean, I have... There are, there are people who live to be, you know, 100-plus years old. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a long life, no matter how you cut it. But you talk to them, and they're like, man, it just went so fast. And I used to think, how could 100 years go by fast? And here I am in middle age... And it's, it does go by fast. Hey, I am middle-aged. It does go by fast. And it goes by faster every day. Even our whole, our whole life, a long, full life, is short. How much more so that season of trial that we go through is even shorter. But when we compare that to eternity, it's just like it's already gone. Now, on top of that, Paul says in Second Corinthians, of course, he went through unbelievable suffering, but he said, the, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are temporal, uh, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, whatever you're going through, when you get to heaven, you're going to say, Wow, this is nothing compared to what I'm getting now. So we should rejoice because our sufferings are only for a time. Second, if you'll continue reading to verse 10, he said he calls God the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. second reason we can rejoice is because God himself will finish what he started in us. The Bible says elsewhere, God, who began a good work in you, will complete it. No matter what you're going through, He will complete it. Now, now He will complete it for sure when we're glorified, when we get to heaven. But as we go through these trials, each step of the way, we should be getting a little bit closer to what God wants. You know, it's kind of like sandpaper. You know, you take that, that old... 40 grit sandpaper and you rub that piece of wood and it's, it's just taking stuff off left and right. And that's what suffering is like. Sometimes it's a thousand grit sandpaper. It's just taking a little bit off. But suffering is, is like sandpaper. It's, it's smoothing things out the rough areas. So each step of life should be a little bit closer to what God wants for us. And finally, verse 11. He says, he gives the doxology, to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. God has the power and the authority to do all that he said. He doesn't just bring us to stuff. He brings us through it. And no wonder he's called the God of all grace. All goodness, all grace comes from him. Folks, we can conquer the devil. It doesn't happen by itself, though. It's not a chance thing. What do He say? Verse 8, we have to be of sober spirit. We must be vigilant. Don't don't let yourself be separated by the, from, from the flock of God. Don't just... Uh, not pay attention to what's happening in your spiritual life, we must resist him at every turn. Because we have an enemy who stalks us day and night. So what area do you need to focus on? Is it being vigilant? Is it realizing, you know what, life is more than just this appointment, that appointment of doing all these things? Is it being self-controlled? Is it not giving in, but instead taking advantage of the way of way of escape that God promises? Maybe you're going through something and and you just need to hear, you know what? You're not in it alone. You have people that love you, people that care about you. And besides your church family, there are people all throughout the world who are going through the same thing you are. And not only what you're going through, they're going through worse stuff than you are. Hear about those 21 guys in Egypt that got decapitated by ISIS? May not hurt it. Those are Christians. You think they didn't have some stuff they were going through? And that happened just the other day. I mean, this is these are martyrs, and we're not talking two thousand years ago. We're talking today. People are going through stuff. You may not know about it. You may feel like you're the only one, but you're not. So take courage. Maybe you need a reminder that that there will be an end to your trials. There will be an end to your temptation. There will be an end to your suffering. It's only for a while. One day it will end. And the God of all grace will one day complete the good work in you that He began. Or maybe you need to hear that there's grace and forgiveness because you've sinned. Maybe you're a Christian that sinned and you need forgiveness. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. There's forgiveness for you too. The Bible says that if we'll confess Jesus as the word with our mouth and believe in our heart the God duration from the dead, that we'll be saved. And if you've never done that, uh, today's the day to do it. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I was, and I, I know that there aren't a ton of people here. It's not a big church. But I know in a church even this size, there's stuff going on. There's got to be. Because in this life, we all face tribulation. We all face trials. We all have stuff that comes up against us that's too big for us. In those times, people would say, be on the alert, be vigilant, resist the devil. You're not alone, and God will see you through it. Heavenly Father, Lord, I I pray for each person here. And I, I don't know what's going on in everybody's lives, but I do know that uh, that you're a good God. And we may not be able to see your goodness. We may not be able to understand it. But help us not to doubt in the dark why you've us in the light. And God, for that person who's, who's trying to bear up under some load, Lord, I pray for them that you would strengthen them, that you let their faith not fail. Lord, please let Peter's words be an encouragement to them. for that person maybe who's never accepted Christ, I pray for their salvation today, that you would uh, work in their hearts and draw them. And no matter what we faced, that you'd help us do what Peter said in verse 7, to cast all of our cares on you, because you care for us. Lord, we're thankful for your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen.